The following is a sermon from the Edgington Evangelical Presbyterian Church in Taylor Ridge, Illinois. Now, someone teased me saying, okay, we're doing all this stuff. How long are you going to preach today? <laughs> well, <laughs> open with me in your Bibles to the book of Colossians chapter 2. Uh, Colossians chapter 2, we return to the book of Colossians in our series, Christ Preeminent, the book of Colossians. We're in our 13th now in this series, Christ Preeminent, Colossians 2. We'll be looking at Colossians 2, 9, and 10 this morning. As you are turning there to Colossians 2, you can find that on page uh, 984 of a Bible in the Purack. If you don't have a Bible, uh, do grab one nearby you and open with us. We are a church under the authority of Scripture, uh, proclaiming the truth of God's Word for the relevant life of God's people. And so let's open together because we want to see what God has to say to us. As you are turning there, as we follow up from last week, I will simply make the uh, blanket statement to say, everybody in the world is looking for meaning and security in their lives. Everybody wants to be grounded in a sense of value and purpose and meaning the question is, is where are they looking for it? And from what will they draw that strength? There will be many who will look many different places that the Apostle Paul refers to as empty. Empty places that don't provide meaning and satisfaction and joy and life-giving delight. Uh, they are empty in comparison to this word that we will see today and really throughout the book of Colossians, the word fullness. Fullness in comparison to emptiness. That's the big contrast today that I want you to keep your mind on. Emptiness in contrast to fullness. So if you've got your Bible open in Colossians 2, let's pray. We'll ask God's blessing upon the word and hear it together today. Gracious God, uh, we love to worship you and we are so thankful for uh, the many things that we've celebrated today already. We continue to celebrate, Lord, that you are a God that has spoken, that you speak not only by way of creation, whereby we can see that you exist, but that you speak especially to us in the scriptures and reveal your Son, the Lord Jesus Christ, to us, so that all are without excuse, all can see. And so, Lord, because you have so graciously revealed yourself to us in your holy word, open our eyes by your Spirit that we might be illuminated with understanding to see and receive and rest again upon the Lord Jesus Christ as he has offered to us in the gospel. Bless now the reading and proclamation and hearing of your word, we ask in the name of Christ our Savior. Amen. Uh, Colossians 2, I'll pick up the context at verse 6, but we're reading uh, verses uh, 9 and 10 this morning. Hear now the word of God. Verse 6, Therefore, as you received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in Him, rooted and built up in Him, and established in the faith, just as you were taught, abounding in thanksgiving. See to it that no one takes you captive by philosophy and empty deceit, according to human tradition, according to the elemental spirits of the world, and not according to Christ. For in Him... The whole fullness of deity dwells bodily, and you have been filled in Him who is the head of all rule and authority. Amen. The grass withers and the flower fades, but the Word of God abides forever. So may He write His truth on our hearts today. Keep your Bible open there in Colossians 
to what we've been doing the last several weeks is that we were looking at verses uh, 8. We spent two weeks on that, both unpacking it according to what Paul is saying in the first century, and then last week really directly applying it to our world today, uh, trying to live between the two worlds of the biblical world and our modern world to say, what are the ways in which uh, empty philosophy and deceit and human tradition seek to lead us away from Christ, but here is the Apostle Paul's real beating heart for this church in Colossae. Remember that the church of Colossae was a relatively new church, a relatively small church that had not yet grown up into maturity, and so when Paul writes to them, he speaks to them about the, the essential basics of the Christian life, so they're really important for us to know and reaffirm together. He wants them, in the words of verse 6 and 7, to walk in Christ to be rooted and built up and established. This is language of growth and strength and development. He wants Christians to be strong and growing and trusting and making progress in their Christian life. And how do you do that? How do you do that? We see that, you know, educationally, if we think about educational systems, you advance through periods of schooling and move on into vocations and careers, and you make a progress. We saw that evident before us today. Well, what about in the Christian life? What about in the Christian life? What advancements? What growth? There, I think there are some people who think, well, as soon as I finish elementary Sunday school, I've learned everything I need to know, so I'm just going to stop. i just stop learning. I think the Apostle Paul would say to us that there is more that we must know, especially because... We live in a world that he warns us about in verse 8 that is seeking to take us captive. And so we saw that in the last two weeks about the threat of that. And so in order to not be taken captive and in order to grow in our knowledge of Christ, in order to grow of our love of Christ, we must make progress. And we do that by, we see in verse 9, knowing Jesus Christ more deeply. Knowing the truth about him, the truth of his person and his work and what he has done for us and what it means for us and how it transforms our lives. So that's where the Apostle Paul is at here in Colossians 2. He is calling us to grow in the knowledge of Christ here in verses 9 and 10. So let's see uh, in some summary fashion today three things about Christ that we need to know if we're to grow in Christ and grow in the knowledge of Him and grow in walking in obedience of Him. The first thing that we need to see in verse 9 is that, I'll give you the whole outline here, is that God is in Christ. God in Christ. Verse 9. Secondly, Christ in you. And then thirdly, Christ over all. God in Christ. Christ in you. Christ over all, those three things. Let's see him again. Look again at verse 9 with me. Paul says, For in him that is in Jesus Christ, the whole fullness of deity dwells bodily. What do we believe about Jesus? What do you believe about Jesus, about who he is? Well, the Apostle Paul has already said many things to us in the book of Colossians. But remind yourself, back in chapter 1 at verse 19, something important Paul says about Jesus. Back in Colossians 1 verse 19, you'll see he says in 1.19, For in him, that is, in Jesus Christ, all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell. The fullness of God was pleased to dwell. And he's picking back up on that notion here with this same language in chapter 2, verse 9. For in him, in Jesus Christ, the whole fullness, 
fullness of deity dwells bodily. What should we believe about Jesus? What we should believe about Jesus is that Christ, Jesus Christ, is God. That if you move away from Christ, you necessarily move away from God. The God who dwelt with Adam and Eve in the garden and commanded Noah and called Abraham and commissioned Moses and anointed David who dwelt with his people in the Old Testament by way of the tabernacle and then the temple is the same God who dwells bodily in Jesus Christ. Why is that so important? Well, for Paul in the first century, the Jewish understanding of the Messiah was that the Messiah would be a divine figure. Probably a, a political agent who represented God, who acted on God's behalf, but who was not himself God. An agent of God, a representative of God, someone who acted on God's behalf, but not God himself. But that is exactly what the Christian church believes, though, about the Messiah. That the Messiah, Jesus Christ, is not an agent of God, not a representative of God, not someone who just acts on God's behalf, but that the Messiah, Jesus Christ, is God Himself. You remember the Christmas hymn, don't you? Veiled in flesh, the Godhead see. Hail the incarnate deity. Pleased with men, as men to dwell. Jesus our Emmanuel. That God, in the second person of the Trinity, assumes human flesh, Jesus Christ. What this means, very importantly, both in the first century and hear me very clearly for our time as well, that means it is not the case, it is not the case that the divine can be encountered in various ways, through various degrees, and in varied religions and spiritualities. Or another way of saying that is, not all roads lead up the mountain. But how common of a notion is that in the world today? That at the end, it's all the same, right? All religions, all worldviews, it's all the same. But it is not the case that the divine is to be encountered in various ways. The gospel claim is that all that is in God is all that is Christ. And so you cannot turn from Christ and have any of God. The implication is that outside of Christ, there is not God. Paul says that in Jesus Christ, God dwells bodily. Again, He is the image of the invisible God. And he will say more about this in the, in the next verses that we'll look at. But the point is that the eternal God is in real flesh and blood, eternally the God-man. If you ever wonder what God is like, you all but have to look at Jesus Christ. If you want to know how God is disposed or what he thinks or what he cares about or what his will is or what he is pleased with, when you look at Jesus Christ, you're not going to lack answers to those questions. All that is God is all that is in Christ. God is in Christ. The fullness, Paul says, of deity dwells bodily in Jesus Christ. Fullness in contrast to emptiness. That's the point. So God is in Christ. But secondly, Paul says... Christ is in you. In verse 10, the fullness of deity that dwells in Jesus Christ is now, in verse 10, that which, he says, you 
You have been filled in Him. You have been filled in Him. The point here, hopefully it's very clear, is that Paul is here writing to the Colossians and by virtue of the Spirit of God speaking the Word to, to us here in Edgington today, God, through Paul, is not speaking of a future possibility of fullness. He is not speaking about the latent potentiality of a one-day fullness that's out there, but he is speaking about a present fullness that is available to the Christian believer right now by faith in Jesus Christ. So Paul is saying, if you are a Christian believer, in Him, Jesus Christ, whom the fullness of deity dwells bodily, He fills you. The Christian believer is one who dwells with who has God dwelling within them, the fullness of deity, and Christ is in you. What does that mean in very quick application? We could say many things, but let's say one thing very clearly. Loved one, if you are a Christian, you do not lack anything. Because the fullness of deity who dwells bodily dwells in you by faith through His Spirit. Everything that you need, dear Christian, is yours in Jesus. You are all sufficient in Him and through Him. God is in Christ. Christ is in you. And so you do not lack. But notice what else he says. God is in Christ. Christ is in you. And, second half of verse 10, Christ is over all. The whole context, verse 9, for in Him the fullness of deity dwells bodily, and you have been filled in Him, who is the head of all rule and authority. Christ is over all. God is in Christ. Christ is in you. Christ is over all. It's a rephrase uh, of, of chapter 1, verse 16. Look back there in chapter 1, verse 16. Paul says in Colossians 1, 16, for by Him, that is by Jesus Christ, all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities. All things, all things were created by Him, through Him, and for Him. That means, as he says again here in 2.10, that Jesus Christ is the head of all rule and authority. That means there is no rival to the authority of Jesus Christ. There is no real competition to the authority of Jesus Christ. There is no power and no authority that is independent of Christ. Any authority that exists in the world exists by way of Jesus Christ dispensing it by way of stewardship. So as a point of application, when Mick was up here speaking about the session, the elders who govern the church govern according to authority that is granted to them by Jesus. The church belongs to Christ. And stewards take care of it according to Jesus' own authority because Christ is the one who is over all. No authority or power exists independent of Him. We can make another application, though, as it relates to the church in Colossae, as it relates to our life. 
These first century believers were living in a world where they were being surrounded by all manner that we saw in verse 8 of philosophy and empty traditions and, and, and worldly wisdoms that were seeking to take them captive. But what Paul is affirming here when he says all of God is in Christ and all of Christ is in you and Christ is over all, it means that you, though you feel seemingly unending pressure, to bow down before one altar or the next, or one idol or the next, or one worldview or the next, there is nothing, Christian believer, that you need to bow down to save Jesus Christ. No worldview or wisdom, no vain philosophy or human tradition that you must embrace apart from the authority of Jesus Christ. All other things that claim to be sovereign, that claim allegiance, that, that want you to bow down. The Bible has a word for that, and it's called idolatry. Because it makes a profession to be an authority. It makes a profession of sovereignty and wisdom, but it does not actually possess it. So we can quickly say then, those coexist bumper stickers that you so often see, it's just simply not a possibility that all of these things are true. That for as much sincerity that I think people have when they want to say things like that, if at the end of the day it's all true, then none of it can be true. It's all contradictory if it's all true. But the Apostle Paul is saying here, let me hold out an authority to you in which there is the fullness of wisdom, the fullness of insight, the fullness of authority, the fullness of joy and life-giving satisfaction in contrast to that which is empty at the end of the day. Empty. He says in 1 Timothy 2.5, there is one mediator between God and man, the man Christ Jesus. That's why it's so important to grow in the knowledge of the only Savior. To grow in the love of Him. To grow in the obedience of Him. To grow in willing response to walk the narrow road that he has called us on. Because, loved ones, we so often feel the pressure that the way of Jesus is actually, people might tell us, not the way of love or not the way of real life. But Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. So we as Christian believers must be growing in our knowledge of Christ. The God who is in all of Christ. Christ who is in all of you and Christ who is over all things. And we should maybe just conclude with this word. We have seen this today already. And I hope, I hope you understand how significant that it really is. We have seen it today uh, by way of supporting students to be sure. But we see it especially in the sacrament of baptism and those folks who have joined the church today who stand and make a profession as they say, I believe in Jesus Christ as He has offered to me in the Gospel. Maybe you know someone who has, or maybe you have yourself, or maybe you plan to perhaps renew wedding vows. We've seen people do that. Maybe after a long period of time, they do that to reaffirm their promises. But let me tell you that as a Christian believer, that's actually what you do every Sunday here in church. Every single Lord's Day is a covenant renewal time 
for you to say again with a heart of faith, He is our God and we are His people. I believe in Jesus Christ as He has offered to me in the Gospel. And loved ones, we must simply learn to say that again and again and again. I cling to Jesus Christ. Every Sunday we renew this truth through our hearts. I believe in Christ when I am doubting, when I am struggling, when I am grieving, when I am tempted, when I am fearful, when I am disobedient, when I am often faithless, when I feel like my faith is stretched as thin as a rubber band about to snap, I am resting in Christ. I am trusting in Christ. I cling to all of Christ who has filled all of me. And it is enough. Paul says, in Him is the fullness. And you don't lack. So never turn from Him who pledges to fill you in all the fullness. Let's pray. Gracious God, we thank You for this word of truth from the Scriptures. And we pray that our minds would be filled much with exalted thoughts of Jesus Christ who has lived and died in our flesh and on our behalf, who has been raised, who has ascended, who is seated upon heaven's throne declaring that all things are His. Lord, we in faith say that we are among those who gladly embrace the reign and rule of Jesus Christ. Would you bless your people today? With this we ask in the name that is above every name, even Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Thank you for listening to today's sermon. If you would like more information about our church or its ministries, please visit edgingtonepc.org. May God bless and keep you.